<laughs> Welcome back to Parent Life. Listen, the reason why I wanted to start it that way, Kristen, is because um, we we have a we have a very happy, jovial soul on the you podcast. You can't today. dip down too low because everybody just turned their volume way <laughs> down. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> but 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 you you need to find the volume level that's going to be okay for the show because today we have the man, the myth, the legend, Bob Goff. <laughs> no, and I mean, Carlos, you've met Bob, I right? Have, I have. How many hugs have you been given by Bob Goff? I have probably been given 47 <laughs> hugs. 47. And and all of them last half a second longer than I thought they would have lasted. <laughs> you know, that's just, that's just, because Bob is filled with it. He's filled with love. And so if you haven't heard of Bob Goff before, if this is we're talking about someone and you're thinking, I have no idea who this character is and why you talk about hugs, this is... Someone who has got to be filled with the most joy, yeah. energy, love. I mean, what yeah. are, what are the adjectives you think of? Whimsy, whimsy, Wh- yeah, a whimsical, big one. whimsical. Yeah. He, he's very whimsical. Yeah. You know, Bob, Bob is a, um, um, he's he's a whimsical soul, and he brings he he brings fun and love to every conversation, and every every time you've you've you know, I've heard him talk, or even been one on one in a room with him. You know, he, uh, I feel like he laughs in every conversation. You know, even if it's like th- a deep conversation, he'll find a way to. <laughs> Like it's just, it's just kind of there. I remember one time I was asking him for some advice. Uh, this was like 2013 and I, I can't remember. It was business advice or something. And I was asking him how he, cause he's a very successful attorney. That's something else that he's done in his right, life. Cause normally whimsical, jovial, happy people are attorneys. Uh, yeah, right? exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. so that's not him, but, but I was asking him about, you know, how, how is he so successful? I can't remember what his, what his rate was of, of cases he won, but it was ridiculous. And I was like, how do you win every case? And I remember him looking at me going, ha ha. He says, Carlos, it's not that hard. He's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, I'm a, I'm a construction or a, a, some, some construction attorney or something like that. He's like, I go up, if, if, if I'm going to take a case, I go up to the seventh floor and I grab a marble and I drop the marble on the floor. And if the marble rolls to the window, I think I'll take it. The building's crooked. And he goes, you just have to take the, you have to choose correctly. And but it was like, it was the most whimsical answer that I ever, I was like, wait, you, 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 you go up to the seventh floor, you drop a marble. And if the building's crooked, you'll take the case. You know, like it's just, he's just, he's filled with that. Yes. Absolutely Today's that. conversation is going to go in many different directions and going to be like the so intro much has. fun. Kind of like the intro. It is going to be, and, and it's going to go, um, we're going to do one more thing with the intro because Bob is so filled with fun and he, he's, he's kind of like a wise sage, right? Like, right. like he's, he's filled with so much wisdom. If you follow his Instagram account, he's got quotes coming out left and right. And all these quotes by him, by quotes? him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah quotes he, by him. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's quoting himself. <laughs> he, he's, he's quoting himself on Instagram, but, but a lot of these quotes are, they could be by Bob, Bob Goff or they could be by some ancient sage, sage proverb guy. Yeah. So okay. I figured I'm going to test you, Kristen. <laughs> I'm going to test okay. you and I'm going to read a couple of quotes and I need you to tell me if they are Bob Goff quotes or if they are just ancient proverbs. Oh, I don't always do so great on your quizzes, Carlos. I know. So I'm I know. Gonna, I've got this one. Okay. Ready? Here's the first ready. one. Ready. Love is when the other person's happiness is more important than your own. Bob Goff? No, oh. not Bob Goff. <laughs> I don't even I don't <laughs> even know what the guy's name was, but it wasn't Bob Goff. I'm sorry, right. but that, that sounds very okay. Bob Goff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. H- how about this one? We make loving people a lot more complicated oh, than that's Jesus Bob. did. That's yes, for sure, yeah, Bob. Yeah, that is that is Bob. Bob. Yeah, that's Bob Goff. Okay. H- how about this one? Okay, ready? 
When we've lost our way, we need shepherds, not sheriffs. Oh, that's good. That's a good one. I'm going to vote three for three. <laughs> Is this Bob Goff? That's Bob Goff. Okay. That's Bob Goff. That's Bob Goff. Okay, one more. One more. One more for you. All right. Because that could have been an ancient okay, Chinese yeah, proverb. Yeah. You know? yeah. It, they it, had sheriffs. It, it, they had <laughs> sheriffs back there. Okay. And then last but not least, te calmas o te calmo? Mexican proverb. <laughs> I'm not even gonna let you guess, Bob. But I had to find a Mexican proverb. <laughs> I was gonna not guess Bob okay, on that one. I feel like feel pretty good about that. Guess Bob. Well, listen. Um, we're gonna be talking about about love today. I mean, his first book was called Love Does, and his second book, Kristen, is called Everybody Always. Everybody Always, and it's also about love. Absolutely. Lots of love going around today. So with that, let's just go ahead and jump straight to the point. And the point being Bob Goff himself. So ladies and gentlemen, sit back, relax, and enjoy our conversation with Bob Goff. Bob, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation on Parent Q Live. You bet. I'm glad to be with you. Thank you. Now, our parents who are listening right now, they've probably heard of you um, from speaking and they may have heard you in person or they read your book love does and today you're here with us to talk about something that's coming out april 17th you have a brand new book called everybody always now what is it that we do with everybody always well if uh for those that read love does we had just this idea let's write a book and then we'll trade the publisher a book for a bunch of schools So I thought we were just going to build one school, but we just gave all the money away and we built schools in Uganda and Iraq and Somalia and uh, Nepal and India. And uh, get this, we're uh, building our next school uh, in May in Afghanistan. (laughs) (laughs) What could possibly go wrong? So we're headed over. Yeah. So but so uh, love does was kind of like if you had a subtitle, it would be like, let's get a puppy. Uh, but everybody always is, let's go raise the puppy. Mm, <laughs> it's a little wow. bit more about saying, how do you love people who creep you out? Because um, it's easy to love really nice people. You're one of them, Reggie, you know, all these people that are in our uh, orbit are generally pr- pretty nice people. But that's low hanging fruit. That's like super easy <laughs> to love. How do you love people that are actually difficult? Because I realized I spent my whole life avoiding the people Jesus spent his whole life engaging. I wasn't throwing things at him. I wasn't calling them names. Mm. I was just creating a lot of distance. And so everybody always is about what do you do with people you just don't get? And here's the crazy part about people who creep us out, that we're people who creep other people out. (laughs) So yes. some people see me as like this, like crazy, like whatever. And that actually isn't their jam. And so I, I understand this. So it's as much about how to get along with me as how to get along with one another. But um, some people hide uh, behind some pretty creepy masks. They do their behaviors and you have to pause for a moment and say, I wonder where that's coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, so instead of reacting or flashing at somebody that does something that kind of feels rude or insensitive to say, I wonder what the return address of that. And it's usually insecurity. I mean, we're all just insecure. We're just insecure about different things. That's why we're ricocheting off each other. (laughs) 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 We just don't uh, realize that that's insecurity speaking right now. So 
you talk in your book about these difficult people and setback people. Um, what do you do when maybe one of those difficult people lives in your own house and they're under the age of 18? So we're, yes, we're talking uh, to that... parents and, and so sometimes we're raising some difficult people. Oh yeah, totally. So uh, one of the things that I noticed about Jesus is he always sees who people are becoming, not who they used to be. So for instance, he sees Peter and he calls him a rock instead of a wuss. <laughs> and say, what do you mean you don't know me? He says, you're a rock. And I don't think he was blowing sunshine at him. I actually think he was looking into Peter's very distraught eyes and saw who he was turning into. He said, said to, God said to Mary, you're going to become a mother, and she did. Uh, he said to Noah, you're going to become a sailor, and he did. <laughs> and he said to Jonah, you're going to be fish food. So you know how that turned out. So like the whole idea of seeing people who for who they're turning into. And so um, some people that are actually difficult to deal with, I just uh, look at them a little bit longer because yeah. it's easy to dismiss people immediately or to see these behaviors and roll your eyes, but to just say, can I see some evidence of Jesus in that? Can I see a little bit about who they're becoming? This is just insecurity speaking. You don't have to swing at every pitch. And I'm a lawyer. I win arguments for a living. <laughs> But but I'm not trying to be right anymore. I'm trying to be Jesus. And that means immense patience. Um, there's a beautiful verse uh, that when Paul's talking to Timothy, he said he put on display his immense patience with me. Paul talking about he was the just the worst of the worst. He was like the creepy person, right? Um, but that God put on display is immense patience. And so that's what I'm working on. And for a really impatient guy, I mean, I make coffee nervous, but I'm like, uh, for an impatient guy, I'm just thinking immense patience. I'm not big on tattoos, but if I was going to get one, that would be it right across my face. Sometimes that difficult person lives in your house and they're under 18 years old and they, you know, might even have some of your own genetical, you know, flaws, if you will, when you see oh, yeah. yourself, I think, you know, yeah. you look at yourself in the mirror sometimes and you don't always love what you see. So can you become love as you're parenting your own child? What does that look like? Yeah, part of that is, you know, uh, for some parents, they actually participated in making them biologically, but <laughs> also uh, making them into who they are. So this yeah. idea that each of us is either a reflection of or reaction to the people we've been around. So uh, take uh, if you were raised in a family where there's lots of yelling and a lot of tension. If you go to a movie theater and somebody raises their voice on the screen, you actually tense up. You're not reacting to the movie. You're reacting to your whole life. And so realizing that our children are the same way, they're reflections of or reactions to us as parents. Mm. So for instance, me, I'm like Tigger. <laughs> I'm like just pretty <laughs> happy-go-lucky and like, whatever, We're gonna, let's just go do it. What could possibly go wrong? So that's it. So my daughter, who we are super, super, we're uh, super tight, but she married a guy who is an engineer who's just bright and stable. Uh, that is a reaction to being raised by Tigger. Uh, she actually has this guy in her life that has a couple feet on the ground, which is just beautiful. And he does it so wonderfully. He's the perfect ration. But we just need to be beautiful reactions to one another. So not reacting in militants. Like so uh, as a parent, sometimes your children will do something. And what you find yourself doing is you're reacting to the way your parents taught you. 
and to say, yeah. actually, I want to actually react in a different way. I want to find that better angel to do the talking right now. And people who are turning into love realize it's sacrifice and commitment. And what I'm going to need to do is just swallow hard on this one. And instead of telling our children what to do, uh, tell them who they are. Um, and it's not this Jedi mind trick. It's just to say to them, you know, you are courageous. I know you've got all of the capabilities. I've seen you in action before. You've got this. It isn't blowing sunshine at our kids. It's reminding them of who they are. And people will become whoever we tell them they are. If you have enough people tell you you're a loser or you're bad at math or whatever, you'll actually be bad at math. So... That's what I'm trying to do. I, I give my kids very few instructions, uh, but I give them a lot of affirmation and not just phony baloney stuff like you're swell, you're beautiful. And instead, they uh, telling them when I saw they were swell, uh, telling them when I saw they were beautiful, like those kinds of things. There's just it's that next sentence that you add on to say you're a really trustworthy person. And here's the time I saw that. I'll tell you, man, they will reflect that to their kids. Think of it as an investment. It's like money in the bank for your grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love that you use the word affirmation there because we actually talk to parents a lot about affirming, especially in the preteen years, the middle school years, but just the need that a kid has for their parents' affirmation. And sometimes we get pushback on that word in particular because of parents thinking, you know, what if you overly affirm your kid or what if you affirm them when they're doing something bad? I mean, what would you say, like, can you overly affirm your kid or are there ways that you get affirmation wrong as a parent? Well, you can do things in a way that isn't authentic anymore. So when I hear you say the phrase over affirm, I just wonder, you probably can't give enough or too many authentic words to people. But if they're made up words or they're just saying, I love you because that's how we roll. But instead, I like try to reach a little higher on the shelf to say, what's a new way to describe a familiar feeling? What's another way to say uh, what you see in them? Like you could say, uh, your countenance is just so bright. Uh, and it's not, it's not coming up with better words. It's coming up with different words. And then your kids probably haven't even heard of that. You say this countenance is kind of just this glow that you have. You just exude joy. Um, it's finding, it's going higher up on the shelf to find another word that will actually mean more to them. And particularly coming from you as a parent, uh, to instead of saying you're really honest, to say, you know what, more than just being honest, you're trustworthy. And let's, let, let me tell you what I mean by that. That resonates so much with me as a parent. When I think about my parenting, a lot of times when I'm reacting to my kids, it is that lack of patience with them in the moment. Why aren't they getting this faster? Why aren't they behaving that I want, the way I want them to behave in the moment? Um, but looking into the future does take a lot more patience. Yeah, and then also that, uh, that component of seeing who they're turning into. Uh, to, so sometimes you could see, you know, these neighborhood kids and think they're turning into felons, but they're actually, <laughs> they're actually have a lot of unbridled energy. And I, the belief that God is going to turn all of this energy into something really beautiful. You may suffer a real big setback and you say, how in the world could God use this? But I would just say, don't believe me. Just look at your past and see how he's used it. One of the things about writing a book is I've learned 
one of these ideas that the best chapter titles come later. Hmm. So chapter that you might uh, title rejection, where I remember I invited a girl named Paula to the senior prom. <laughs> and two days before she said, oh, heck no, because she got a better offer, which is means from <laughs> anybody else that was breathing at the time. And uh, so I would have labeled that chapter rejection. But now it's many years later and I look back and I say, that was actually release. Wow. Um, sometime where you might feel uh, like you were uh, prevented from something, you might realize later you were protected. Uh, a time where you thought you'd title that cha chapter, I'm out. Uh, you'd probably retitle it a little bit more accurately on back. So that's what I'm working on. I'm just trying to not come up for, with the titles for people anymore. Uh, like, you know, uh, a jerk or uh, like inconsiderate or I, I would just like wait a little bit. You'll come up with a better title for it. And that's that kind of immense patience lets people not just meet our big attitudes. It lets, lets them meet Jesus. And that's what I mean. So how do you, as a parent, raise a kid who understands what it looks like to be love and to love everybody always, to kind of grow up and become this kind of love to others? Oh, yeah. I would say two things that come to mind is pointing towards the horizon, pointing to this beautiful future, uh, standing on the shore with them present in where you are, and then getting in the water with them. I would say that. You, there's a lot of people standing at the shore telling people how to sail their boats. Um, but <laughs> you That's know what you, true. Who you are. Um, but that idea of just getting the water with them, Jesus got in the boat with the people, like that idea of not being in proximity with your uh, children, with the person that you're married to, um, but to be actually be present with them. And so to come up with the strategies that will make you present, sweet Marie and I, throw this ball back and forth. We don't even play baseball. But uh, if I answer the phone, I'll lose teeth. Mm. And there's something beautiful like that idea of being actually present with one another. And so it takes this uh, like reminder, put a sticky on your forehead that just says, be present. Um, put it as your screensaver, put it on your phone, be present. So every time you go to check your Instagram account, you'll actually see this reminder, be present. And you'll put that thing away. It's not shame. It's not waving a bony finger at each other or yourself. Um, but it's just these constant reminders. That's why the Israelites, they stacked rocks. They weren't yes. out of paper. They wanted this reminder. God was present here. That's funny. My youngest child is still very young. My, um, she's still kind of in the preschool phase. And she does this thing with me when I'm not present, where she puts one hand on each side of my face and turns me to look her right in the eye, oh. so we're eyeball to eyeball, because she wants to know that I'm right there looking at her. And sometimes oh, beautiful. I'm reminded that my older kids would grab me by the face if they still, you know, could. They're they're beyond the toddler phase, but it's just this physical reminder that she wants me right there. Um, yes, it's, it reminds me of that scene in Hook, yeah. where one of the boys grabs Peter Panning who forgot that he was Peter Pan he thought he was a lawyer and he grabs him he's like there you are Peter I think yes. God's trying to do that with each of us all the time and he'll do uh, whatever it takes to get our attention and it's not like we're daring God like if we don't play nice that he's gonna do something horrible that's not his economy but he'll use these circumstances in our lives if we will to turn our heads and our hearts back towards him 
and he wants us always returning to our families. Like, so um, I uh, move around quite a bit, uh, but I try to get home for supper. So yesterday I was on the other side of the country and then I uh, flew home for supper last night. I'm gonna go get back on a plane and fly somewhere and then I'll fly home for supper. We don't even, Sweet Marie and I don't even talk about it. When people ask where I am, she says he's on his way home. Because oh, wow. I always am. So that's just another way to turn your heads and your hearts and your attention towards home. So don't try to figure out how to love people efficiently, uh, how to love them presently. Like to just be present with them, go like, Wow, I wonder where that's coming from. Do you get junk mail at your house? <laughs> <laughs> we almost exclusively get junk mail, yes. Oh, man, I could build a skyscraper out of the stuff we got. <clears throat> but what I do is I check the return address of all this mail I get, and I see who it's from. And if I don't know who it's from, I don't open it. And I think the problem that some of us have in being really present is that we're opening all the junk mail. It ain't from Jesus. It isn't our family and our close friends. And so we're spending a lot of time distracted. And I don't think uh, Satan's plan is to destroy us. I think it's just to distract us. And if we're distracted long enough, he knows that will destroy us. Wow. It'll, it'll destroy you incrementally. It will make you uh, just incrementally distant. People will, you'll start being polite to each other. You'll be roommates with your spouse. Um, you'll be just kind of like carpool with your kids. And so there's something beautiful. You get to set all the traditions you want. You get to put them in, in because you can do whatever you want. Take their biggest failure ahead to Disneyland. Because <laughs> Jesus was always using this kind of reverse economy. He Thank says, you. you want it to go this way, be that way. Now, you mentioned the word failure, and that's one of two things that I noticed from your book that's coming out, um, Everybody Always, that I really wanted to talk about a little bit because you kind of talk about failure in a positive way. And what is it about failure that is a good thing for us? Oh, heck yeah. I mean, it's just like uh, uh, resetting the dials again, because sometimes you get a little ahead of yourself or a little behind yourself. But one good failure, boy, that'll sink you right up. <laughs> I actually teach at Pepperdine Law School. Can you imagine me teaching at a top tier law school? <laughs> like everybody passes the bar. So I teach a class on failure. And every week, all I do is bring in my friends who've screwed up in front of earth. Like oh, literally, wow. you haven't melted down in front of 100 million people wow. naked on a corner somewhere. Uh, you are not my friend because we got nothing in common. One of the things, while we fail differently, we have this thing in common. It's kind of right out at Acts 2 and 4. They break bread together and they have things in common. And one of the things, we don't all have successes in common, but we all have failures. And wow. so it's this very unifying thing for your family and with your kids to say with these failures, uh, not to like spend a lot of time um, like over identifying with these failures, but to just say what God might be uh, empty. It sounds like big religious word to talk to like redemption and you hear these words, but what it really means is turning this failure into something that can empower you for what's next. Um, and it's always kind of hard. Again, that's another example of getting a better chapter title, but it'll come a little bit later. So don't rush the process, but don't over identify with a failure. Get back in the water. What would you say to a parent? Maybe they're parenting a middle schooler or high schooler who's experienced a kind of failure and trying to navigate those waters. What advice would you give to help a parent help their kid know what it means to fail well? 
Yeah, I think the whole idea is when it happens, nobody, I haven't met anybody who's aiming to screw up. <laughs> and if I did, that would be so interesting. Like they, but it almost seems like sometimes people are aiming to screw up, but that isn't true. They've just, uh, they're just kind of out of step with themselves. There's a rhythm that they haven't found. It's this rhythm of grace and forgiveness and, and gratitude. And so I would just kind of break the rhythm and start over again. You get this do over. It's beautiful. You remember when you were a kid, you got do overs yeah. and just because you just said, you just claim them. I'm like, I'm claiming a do over on this. Sometimes people don't grab for the do over. Like they don't just say they're still, they're caught in this eddy. I took uh, Richard, <clears throat> my son on a rafting trip down the Nile river. And there are these class five rapids. There's no class six. You're just dead. And so at the top of one of these rapids, Richard popped out of the boat and we got caught in an eddy at the bottom of this huge waterfall. We Richard went downstream. We lost him for an hour. Oh, we had my goodness. No where he was. A talk about failure. I'm trying to make up like excuses at Santa Maria. I'm like, he was with us <laughs> or we can make another one. But <laughs> what, we got, what we did is we got caught in this eddy and we just went round and round the eddy. And the only way out of the eddy with your kids and with mine is to paddle back into the fast moving water. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes what you want to do when there's been a failure is you want to go into retreat mode. You want to clamp down. You want to shut down. You want to lock down. And I would say paddle back into the fast-moving water. We found young Richard hanging from a, a vine <laughs> in alligator-infested waters. Yeah, we found him there. He was happy to see us, and we were happy to see him. But the reason that we uh, were able to celebrate that uh, for a host of reasons is that we didn't get stuck in the eddy. And it's a long way to explain the answer, but I think sometimes as parents, we sometimes over-identify with our children's failures mm -hmm. or we spend too much time trying to fix their failures. Uh, on the way to the airport, somebody, it was sad, but somebody's dining room table fell out of the back of their pickup truck, like right in front of us. And it was in hundreds of pieces. And because I'm an Enneagram, I'm a a seven on the Enneagram, I'm like, we can fix it. <laughs> <laughs> There's no fixing that. And I think if we could move from fixing it and front at one end from over identifying it at the other end, and I'm saying just get in the water right there and, and just say, where are we going next? Point towards the horizon, give some instructions from the shore, get back in the water. That's great. Another thing that you mention in your book is the importance of friends. Um, and how having good friends and the right kind of friends can really help you um, along in your journey. So tell us a little bit about the keys for friendship. Yeah, um, I, I don't have any keys to it, but I've got a couple of good friends. Do you know <laughs> on your last day here on Earth, you're going to have room around your bed for about eight people, uh, nine if they're thin. And so <laughs> what I've done is I've uh, figured out who I want to be around my bed on my last day, and I'm surrounding my life with them right now. <clears throat> so I've sent each of my eight a text message. I say, you're one of the eight. And I, I always get a text message back. It's like, what does that mean? I'm like, don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, so if you don't have eight good friends, go find five. Uh, four fruit trees is just a bunch of fruit trees, but five fruit trees is an orchard. Isn't that awesome? I don't know who came up with that. Probably a lawyer who had five fruit trees and need a write-off. Um, but if you don't have five, go find one friend. 
some person that you can actually get real with because every single one of us just needs four things in our lives. Uh, it's love, connection, purpose, and a couple authentic friendships. Wow. I would say, I would write that on your to-do list. Forget picking up the groceries. Love, connection, purpose, a couple authentic re relationships. And so um, my eight people have changed over time. And yours will too. I don't send them another text message. I'm like, you're off the island. I, I just, <laughs> you just realize, find your eight. What'll get us messed up is isolation. It'll screw up your kids and it'll screw up your marriage. It'll screw up you. Wow. So just being in it and forget this idea of holding each other accountable. I'll give you a hundred bucks if you find one time Jesus held anybody accountable. He held people close. Wow. And so that's it. Just find people, find your eight, hold them close, let them know. I want to have a purposeful connection with you. I want to be have a meaningful relationship, and it's going to take authenticity. And here you go. This is the real deal. <laughs> Dome of silence. Here it is. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, there's so much in that. As for myself as a parent, I know that I need those friends. I also look at my own kids and go, how do I help surround them with those kind of people or understand the difference between maybe, you know, somebody who follows you online, um, clicks like on your Instagram photo and what it means to be one of those eight and that to be in a kind of relationship like that. How do you help yeah. your kids find those people? I would say is you can actually, uh, it's uh, back in the Yukon, uh, they used to salt the mine. What they would do is uh, they would take little pieces of gold and they put it in the mine so they thought they'd struck gold. <laughs> actually, they just found the gold that they put in the mine. Uh, and so I think we can salt the mind for our kids. We can just not salt their mind. It's the mind, the, the, the mind of their life. We can just put these little nuggets along the way that they'll happen upon because you put them there. Um, you'll put some relationships in front of them because you put them there. Uh, my, uh, my kids are going to inherit my friends, not a bunch of cash. They're just going to get all my friends. And so I'll set up dates between my kids and their friends, uh, my friends. Uh, to just say, go out, get to know them, forget mentoring, just like be with each other. Uh, and there's something beautiful that happens when you introduce your children to your friends. It's not going to happen if your kids are four, uh, but what you can do is salt the mind in a different way. You can set up these experiences, take your kids on a treasure hunt, burn the edges of the map, let them live in constant expectation, just like that whole idea. That's what God has for all of us. That's a theme in the gospel, constant expectation. And so I would say you can set those up, set that up with your spouse, set that up with, you know, if you're listening to a boyfriend or girlfriend, you can't have both, but like, but just say like, well, what is it that, that you want to see develop in their life? And then like, just make that happen. Salt the mind. That's great. I love that concept. You can, it sounds almost manipulative, but in a really healthy way, in a positive oh, a way that thing. you're yeah. surrounding people with community. Totally. You can go on the dark side of any beautiful idea, but just do it in the most uh, beautiful, winsome uh, way. Just to say, let's uh, let's set sail, uh, maybe not knowing where we're going today. Um, let's see what will happen. And you can get at the dollar store, you can get an inflatable raft. Go get one for as many kids as you have, a couple life jackets, and then just set sail and just see where you end up. Ask the kids, where do you want to go? That's beautiful. Let them lead you. And there's something beautiful. Every time we've traveled with the kids, the kids lead us. We just say, uh, I don't know. We have to exchange currency, evidently. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Figure it out. I'm all out of ideas. <laughs> <laughs>
Now at Parent Q, one of the things we love to do for parents is give them one practical thing that they could implement this week that would help them be a better parent. So if you're thinking back across kind of the journey you've been on with everybody always, what it means to raise this puppy, as you said earlier, what's the one thing that you might tell somebody you could go do this week that could be a game changer? Oh, I'll tell you, the first thing that popped to mind is this uh, thing I learned from my grandparents. And uh, I had a room in their house, and they used to uh, give me room rent. Uh, So what they would do is that anytime they went into my room, they put a nickel in the drawer. Isn't that beautiful? So when I'd go over to their house, there'd be like a whole bunch of nickels. And there was something beautiful. It'd be like this idea that they were actually thinking about me, that they actually said, this was my room. Start paying your kids room rent. Sweet Maria. She's the one that led that in our family. She's, but with inflation, now it's a buck. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to talk her off of $20 bills, but, but she just gives the kids room rent. It's so beautiful and winsome. And it just said, screams your kids. I value you. This is your place. I'm just so glad that we're together. Uh, Think of a thousand just practical things. You're just solving the mind. And what you're saying is this life is beautiful and winsome. You are valued uh, way beyond a nickel or a buck. You're my kid. Write them a note. Tell them who you see them turning into. Get a mirror. You know I hold up this mirror all the time to my kids, and I tell them who they're turning into. And at first they're like, Dad, not the mirror. But now they would just be like so bummed if I didn't hold up the mirror. So I would just do that. Hold up a mirror to your kids and say to your daughters, you're women of virtue. And let me tell you why. Hold it up to your sons and say you're men of valor. Let me tell you why. Hold it up to yourself and say you're a mom and you've got this thing. And here's why. Some people are great at holding up mirrors to everybody else. And what they stink at is seeing what God's doing in their life. And so I would say as a parent, Go hold that mirror up to your kids and your spouse, but hold it up to yourself and say, uh, who is God turning me into? And he's never looked in my mirror or yours and wished he saw somebody else. Wow. That's incredible. Bob, thank you so much for this conversation. Lots and lots of takeaways um, that I want to go and implement right away as a mom. Um, But it's an important reminder to continue to love, to love ourselves, to love our families, the people closest to us, even when it's difficult and challenging. So thank you again for this conversation and for putting together this book that we can dive into um, and continue to be reminded of this message over and over and over again. Everybody always comes out April 17th, and we're so excited about that. Hey, thanks a million for having me on. Have a great day. Whimsy, 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 so filled with whimsy. Christina, <laughs> that was fun. Always fun for everybody. For, for everybody. Always. Oh, for everybody. <laughs> Always. The, and what we're going to do out of that, uh, we're going to have a little bit of fun w- with the listeners. That's right. Uh, we want them to do what? Well, this week, we just thought it would be really fun coming out of that conversation to challenge you mm to do something to show love and kindness to somebody in your community, in your world. And so our challenge, our cue is for you to talk to your kids this week and you guys together to come up with what you're going to do to show love and kindness to somebody that you know, and then go do it. Yeah, go, go, go do it. And I, I think it's, you know, I think a great part of this conversation could be, I mean, really finding somebody that's maybe a little bit more difficult 
to show love to <laughs> than you normally would. But I, I don't let them hear this episode. Don't let them hear this episode. So, you know, <laughs> it, it, if, if you know that somebody <laughs> listens to this podcast, please don't be kind to them. Yeah. <laughs> but this is something else we want to do because we actually want to give away some of Bob's uh, books, his, his new books. So we're going to give a few copies away, but this is how you do it. We would love for you guys to post a picture on Instagram. I, I don't know. Should the picture be of them doing something kind of just, just whatever, what, whatever makes you feel love, post it on Instagram um, and tag us, us being parent Q, C-U-E, not Q, like ice Q, but Q, <laughs> C-U-E, parent Q. If you tag us, we're going to pick a couple people and we're going to send them the book. What do you think about that, Christina? That sounds great. That sounds like a way to love everybody. I, I, I think so. Always. All right. So we're going to keep it that Simple. Everybody always is getting some love this week. Make sure you guys share this episode. Subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Leave us a review, especially if you love us. And with that, guys, hope you had a blast. We did. We'll talk to you guys next time on Parent Q Live.